Welcome back to the Better Man, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us, either for the first time, and I really appreciate you if you happen to be joining us again. Today, hopefully you found another valuable podcast and it's going to allow you to not only help players from a physical standpoint, we're always trying to develop better ball players, but as well as something that's going to help you develop them with a better mindset, to help them and prepare them for in their beyond the game. So, and to help me do that today is Patrick Jones. Patrick Jones is the current Major League hitting coach for the Baltimore Orioles. He also owns is the owner of Patrick Jones Baseball, where he specializes in player development, doing lessons, video analysis, hosts own podcast which I've listened to a number of times. I've reached out to him just with questions for my podcast. He's helped me out. Um, again, just another trust testament of the great baseball community that we're a part of. Um, Patrick was also the hitting coach for the Lima Locos in the Great Lake Summer Collegiate League. He's well as served as an assistant coach at Madeira High School in Cincinnati, Ohio, School, where he currently does reside. But he spent time as a player in the Pecos League and Empire League, as well as then played professionally at Xavier. So, uh, Patrick Jones is, um, you know, really, especially for the time that I have spent with him um, and just following him from a distance, um, really has a passion for helping, helping hitters, helping players. And what I've come to know as I just watch, listen to a couple podcasts of his as well is um, he's then even helping his people that he's um, doing lessons for in the recruiting world. And uh, we actually got into that with a podcast, which was something that I didn't even realize um, that we were going to get into. None of us really thought we were going to, but we have a really good conversation about recruiting. So that was really cool to see, you know, a guy who's invested in in the player more than just the time, the hour that they spend in a hitting lesson. You know, again, looking for someone uh, to help them go on after, which I think is a really good, uh, great testament to him. Um, and we get into some recruiting talk, uh, things that's going to help um, players to get their name out, what coaches can do to do that as well. So we get into some recruiting. We also talk, and then of course, hitting and what he's doing for his players. And as well as he talks about the killer mindset, the killer instinct um, in players and how he help, tries to help develop that into his hitters and people that he's working with. So I loved how we talked about the mentality. I loved how we talked about recruiting. And then overall, you know, just as kind of his process of how he works with his hitters. So I just want to thank Coach Jones for coming on and giving us some time to provide some really valuable content in the recruiting area, creating a killer instinct mindset, as well as just a process for becoming better hitters and a couple of things that he's doing to improve his ball players. If you'd like to reach out to Coach Jones, the best way to do it is probably through Twitter. It's the way that I've been able to reach out to him. It's at P. Jones Baseball, at P. Jones Baseball on Twitter. Uh, again, look at all his stuff. Um, he has a website, PatrickJonesBaseball.com as well. Both two great resources to reach out to him. If you have any questions or anything, anything you'd like to learn more of, he has some valuable content on there. So without any other delay, I want to get right into 
um, our conversation. It was a great conversation that I'm really thankful to have. So, again, thank you, Coach Jones. Coach Patrick Jones, minor league hitting coach with the Baltimore Orioles. So, buddy, I just uh, appreciate you taking the time to come on. And, um, you know, I know what do you guys uh, – so what have you been doing now with – you know, everything shut down. You guys aren't having a season. What have you been up to? Yeah, I mean, first off, I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, I'm excited to be here. I, I know you just said you had, you know, Tom Eller on and, and Josh Conway, which are two great guys, uh, two colleagues of mine um, in the Orioles. So appreciate you having me on. But just been trying to stay busy with a lot of different things. I've uh, been given a lot more lessons lately just because as a coach, uh, those reps are important to be able to work with with players, whether even if it be a, just a high school kid, just being in the cage, speaking, you know, different types of lingo, depending on who that who that particular player is. So just working with, working with high school kids, college kids, even some pro guys um, coming in as well and staying busy with that, doing a lot of Zoom meetings, learning a lot of um, new information. Um, but at the same time, just refining my craft as a coach, too, and uh, a lot of re reflecting. I think more reflecting after uh, cage sessions than before, just writing down what went well, what didn't go well. Um, I think coaching, so much of coaching is timing, and I've, I've learned this from a, a lot of different coaches, really good coaches, is it, it really comes down to timing of when you say or when you don't say something and so just trying to be uh, uh, careful of, of not being overwhelming to some players and you know to others maybe get on them a little bit more or talk a little bit more through them with um, with certain things and then at the same time spent trying to spend some time with uh, my family I actually just built a batting cage at my dad's garage um, which took a, a couple months which was a big, big project, but a fun project as well. And that was just something where I, I know I travel a lot because of, of baseball, but I always wanted to have a place that I could go back to and, you know, work with players and never have to worry about scheduling or heaven forbid another coronavirus situations happens again, then everything shuts down. So yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been feeling pretty busy anyway. I've golfed a couple of times terrible golfer I lost 22 golf balls the last uh, 18 holes I played oh my so that was that's tough but it's nice to get outside and do some stuff I live on a golf course which makes it even more embarrassing that I'm that bad at golf um, but it's fun to go out and play some good with some uh, good people for sure for sure speaking of uh, like that craft man like so like let's take us through like your craft let's take us through like things that like what's your process look like as you maybe get a new client or, you know, as a returning client? Yeah. So one of the things that I've been doing now for a little while now is before I do work with a player for the first time, um, I got this from Lance Wheeler, but I, I will send them um, a questionnaire, about 14 questions, just to get some background on them, how they learn best, who their favorite player is, things like that. So that way I know I can refer back to their ref, uh, favorite player or if I want them to make a, have a similar move as their, as a certain player, I'm going to choose their favorite player and kind of have that visual up there for them. So I've been doing that a lot because before the first time I would work with a player, it'd be me asking 
a ton of those same questions. And so now my thought process is just, why don't I just hand them, you know, give them these questions ahead of time. And so that way we can, it can be, you know, we can get a lot more stuff done that first session. So I, I've enjoyed doing that and that's helped a lot. Um, just getting background information. And I also think before you have a relationship with a player, I think it's, they're more comfortable in my own experience. They're more comfortable being honest um, about how they feel about their swing, things like that uh, when they're not face-to-face with you because they don't really know you yet. And so giving them that questionnaire, they fill that out when you're not around, obviously. And so they can, you know, type everything up. It gets pretty detailed and send that back to you. And then it just, it really helps just context and it can help you go back as well and say like, Hey, when you were swinging good, these were your cues. So it, it, it just, it's also can be a reminder for them as well. Um, so that's one of the things that I, I've been doing lately, um, making a lot of uh, visuals for players as well. So whether it be gifts, uh, sometimes I'll do PowerPoint presentations and send them to the players that I work with, um, different clients and, you know, hey, be like, Hey, here's, here's this, here's what's going on right now in your swing. When you, when you swing good, here's what it looks like, but we, here's what we want to work on and then have another slide of, of them. And then a gif of their same, of their favorite player making the move that we want them to make. And so I think a lot of times, you know, the technology is great, but I think video is still the best way to go when working with a player because they can relate to that um, visual more than anything else. So that's just, that's what I've been been doing lately. Um, It's been a lot of fun, still learning, still making some mistakes. I mean, every player is different. I'm sure Trey, you can relate to this too. Some players, you, you tell them to do one or two things and it just takes off right away. And so as a coach, you're like, damn, like I got it. Like this is, this is easy. And then another kid walks in and just nothing is clicking at all. And so that's what makes it fun. I think it's similar to hitting. If when you're a hitter, it wouldn't be, the game wouldn't be, or it wouldn't be um, as in as joyful if you were to get a hit or hit a missile every single time up or almost every time up those at bats mean more because of how hard it is to get those hits. I think the same thing is true in coaching as well. So that's, that's kind of been my process so far. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I, I would agree. Like it's, it is, it's funny. Like I showed the same drill to a couple guys who I thought were not like, let's say, let's say big long movers. Right. So like I put up like uh, some constraints to kind of make them move and not necessarily be more tight, but like just kind of keep them in this box. And for one, it was like, he was his exit his exit velo was up five miles an hour right away. You know, he was just fast. So he's like, wow, like, you know, but then another one was like, he was lost. Like he was like, what in the and so like it is. It's it's very frustrating. And um, you know, and some guys just need different things. And um, you know, so like, um, do you know, you talked about like your self-reflection and things like that, you know, do you is that how is that is that what you do when you look at each player do you kind of dissect them from video first do you see what things work and you jot the notes down like how do you uh how do you I guess differentiate between all those different players yeah that's a good question I think especially in the private sector you know I don't I'm not their coach on their team so I don't get to see them play in a bunch of games 
And in reality, that's where we want all this stuff to transfer to. So I try to, I do try to ask a lot of questions about like what's going on in the game. Do you have any in-game videos? Where are most of your outs? Where are most of your hits? And you know, just to get uh, as much context as possible, because that's what's going to help me help them more. Help them more. And the one good thing about the virus and me being back home right now is I can go to their games. So um, I've been able to go to certain players' games and see what they're like during the game. See even just simple stuff like body language. You can tell you know someone's confidence. Um, level when they're walking up to the plate or you know once they are start starting to struggle so I think there's there is some really good stuff um, that has come about from you know me being able to be at home because in the past in the off season a there's no games going on but b even before that I mean I'm in a cage six seven days a week it's hard to get out and see uh, players games so now that I am able to I'm just taking full advantage of that and also helping kids get recruited too. I, I think that's something that's awesome. that as a private hitting coach working with high school kids, I, I think that's my job to help help guide them in that direction and also help help them make those connections as well and reach out to different schools for them. So I've been doing doing a lot of that, making some good connections. I've been able to help out a few players just by reposting certain stuff or posting stuff on Twitter. And um, I just, yeah, I think that's a big deal. I think that's coaches should be doing that. I mean, you, I don't believe any of the, any of my players should have to go hire a recruiting service to get their name out there. I think I should be the recruiting service. And, you know, the really, really top notch players in the country don't need that as is. But for the, you know, as you will know, I mean, Trey, there's a lot of players that it's easy to get overlooked especially right now when there's no coaches absolutely so that's where my job I know I need to go in and and make sure that um, these kids are are being able to get their name in front of the right people and a lot of it is just as I just said the right people it doesn't mean the biggest schools Um, you know there's a kid I'm working with right now is probably going to go to division three school I think he could play division one he's had division one talent um but this is going to be a really good fit for him. The coach is awesome. He's really progressive into player development, constantly learning, pushing himself. He's going to you know, be able to get a lot of uh, money off of his tuition because he has good grades as well at this. So it's just going to be a really great fit all around for him. And so it's just finding that fit. Um, so that's been another big thing of, of what I've been focusing on as well. That's phenomenal, man, because like, you don't see that mostly. You, know, you see a lot of guys – you know, just take that, take their, take their cage session or take their bullpen session. And, you know, that's great. So like, what are some of the things that um, you found is successful? Let's talk recruiting. Let's like, so um, some of the best ways that you found to help get kids recruited or what kind of advice would you give kids to do that? Um, So what I, for me, uh, I guess I, I can take you through, I guess a few different players and what, what has transpired, what's worked, what's not really worked so much. What's worked is when the players, when the play, when this uh, particular player and their parent are really on board and are really educated on, um, you know, honestly, like how to use Twitter and promoting themselves and understand that they can't just put up a video with no context, no like SAT, ACT, GPA, none of that stuff at all and expect to really get a ton of interest. So 
you know, like one of the players I've been working with, he is constantly pushing stuff out on social media. And so I see that. And once I start seeing that and I start reposting it and I see a few people, coaches DMing me about the player, it kind of made me realize like, hmm, I need to start doing this as well. So I start, we'll start, you know, having him text me videos and I post them on my own um, social platforms from me. And then I see certain colleges clicking those videos and then I can reach out to those colleges who I see have, you know, a little bit of interest or there's some times where there's a particular player who I've actually never worked with at all, but I, I see him posting stuff all the time and I, I've gotten to know his dad just through social media because he's always asking questions and things like that. I, I reached out to a few different colleges for him and I have never really seen the kid play very much, but I I've been following him and online on social media for a few years now. And I know some of the, the coaches that he has worked with. So I still feel actually very confident in getting his name out there as well. So for me, I guess it's, if I see that you're willing to put in the work, I'm going to, I'm more than happy to DM coaches myself and get your name out there. So that's how, that's what's, what I found has worked. And what hasn't worked is just posting random videos, really. I mean, everyone looks good in batting practice, and I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to post some videos of you in batting practice, but uh, in-game is is where it's at. If you can have some, especially find a good angle from the side or behind, and you can see everything that's going on, that's going to be ideal. But you really do need to have a coach push your name out there more because – if I'm a player and I know players, you know, email coaches all the time, because I do have a lot of college coaches on my podcast, they get hundreds of emails every day. Well, every kid's, you know, think, believe that they can play at that school. Sure. But if you're working with a, a coach, like right, just say, if, if uh, you're working with me, for example, I'm going to be honest with the school. I'm going to be honest with that, that particular coach. Like, yes, he is good enough. Be, you know, eh, he may be good enough down the road with some development. So it's just, I think that's where the, another layer comes into play. And that's another reason why it's important to have a coach reach out for you. And there's definitely a lot of coaches who do do that as is, but I think there, it could be way better. I mean, there's even players in this area who work with other hitting coaches and their parents will text me or message me online and say, okay, can you post all this information for him. I'm like, what's the, what is the the role of the guy he's going to? Right. If you're, if you're sending me all his information to post for you. So I, I don't know. It's just, it's something that I've been uh, more, I wasn't, I was aware of before, but now that because of the virus, I, and the recruiting, I'm really aware of now. And I have done a podcast with uh, prep baseball report as well. I think that's a good starting place for players. I think just to go and get a baseline, you know, when they're a sophomore or junior, they need to be ready because those numbers do matter. But I think having a baseline and because anytime I do mention um, a college to a player, or I'm sorry, a player to a particular college coach, the first thing that they do is go look at their PBR stats. So it is important to have a baseline doesn't need to be 105 eggs of velo, but just, you know, they're in the they're in the range of where they need to be. And then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, and then they probably want to see some 
you know, but then it takes the next step of having some in-game data, you know, and, and things like that. So, you know, I've, I found the same kind of experience too, um, where, you know, cause yeah, you say like, oh, you, you know, the kid can do the things, he's got some good metrics. And then this next question is, do you have any game, game footage? You know, it just definitely seems like that's where um, people want to see it. It's, it's you know, and um, we're doing more, you know, now with this summer, I'm trying to get say, Hey man, just get, get, get your phone and just you see if you can get them, get them a good at bat here and just send it to me. And then we can just kind of go from there. Um, but yeah, that game footage is really important. I, cause I saw that you did a podcast and I know you did a podcast with, was it Petty too? I think with yeah, the yep. and then I'm sure he's, they've done the recruiting thing. So I saw, I read that and all that from you. That was good stuff. And is there anything, um, you know, anything else that uh, you think from a recruiting standpoint that what, what maybe, maybe a mistake that people might make? Well, I, th- I think the, the biggest mistake, one of the biggest mistakes that I see is being realistic or not obsessing over division one. That, yeah, because- like that's exactly what I was thinking. Cause like, I loved how you said the, your, your, the, the one kid that you had about, um, he's going to go to division three, but he probably has division one talent, but it's a great fit for him. Yes, exactly. And Look, I sometimes like I, I don't like giving examples of myself, but since it is my own experience, I do give it. I wanted to go play at Kentucky so bad in high school. I was I was willing to do anything, but I'm so happy that they never offered me because I would have sat the bench for four years. I never would have played or anything. Versus going to, you know, Xavier, where I actually had a chance to compete and play and had a, a great college experience with great people and and you know made some great friends and connections. So and I also look at, you know, just what even within um, our own organization, the Orioles organization, I mean, we have players drafted for Division Three, um, Toby Welk, Division Three, and, you know, last season had a great year for us. So I think even, at, even if your ultimate goal is still professional baseball or big leagues, if you go dominate, I mean, especially now, maybe even not 10 years ago as much, but especially now, you go dominate you're going to get seen because you're going to be able to go play summer baseball and some other, and some good leagues eventually, you know, between your, either your freshman or sophomore year or sophomore junior year, you put up numbers there, then you're going to open up even more eyes. So it it really does come down to the fit. I think that's so important. And I think that's one of the things that I, when I work with kids, like, Hey, like give me five to 10 schools that you would like to go to that you're interested in. And I'll, have to be honest with them and be like, Hey, like these schools, a are already booked or B I'm not, I don't think you're quite there yet. I don't think this would be a good fit. And I will, I won't say it in a mean way, but I'll, you know, make sure to to phrase it where I think, Hey, there's some better options out there for you because you want to go someplace where you're wanted. I mean, that's, that's huge. It's huge. And and even in the, the real world and getting jobs, I mean, if someone's recruiting you hard and wants you bad, that's a place you want to go versus a place where they're like, ah, like, fine, like, we'll take you. Like, hopefully it works out. If it doesn't, then you'll be gone in a year anyway, versus a place where they're, they're invested in you. Yeah. And I think that even goes to show even with Juco too, Yeah, you know, exactly. guys, just, guys just, just educating people and, you know, letting them know, Hey, Juco could be a very big option because you know, let's, let's say, you know, I've had this conversation. I just, I just had it this week and about like, Hey, yeah, this, this school's okay to go there, but I also think this school would be there after a year or two of JUCO. And yeah. then maybe someone else goes on because, hey, you now you hit 350, you, put, you dominate JUCO and say, yep, I can, do, I can do college pitching. I can do the college season. 
And now they can easily project you to there. Like that, you know, that, I think that's guys will sell themselves short with, with, with that too. And just even, I even know how good Juco baseball is either. Yeah. And, and I, I, you, by you saying that in, in Juco, it brought up another thought of mine actually is, and that's the grades. I didn't realize how important, honestly, the grades were until I started diving more into this stuff, but I've been able to talk to different schools, even some Ivy league schools, particular Ivy league school. Like, Hey, we love this kid. We want him bad, but we can't take him right now because of his test scores. Like he, mm. he needs to retake it and get it up another three or four points. And so, yeah, if you want to make it really easy on yourself to a get recruited or not, not get recruited, take care of the grades because it's going to open up more doors for you. And not just that, but the, the college recruiting you, they don't want to have to babysit you. They don't, they want to focus on baseball when you get there. They don't want to make sure that they're, that you're passing your classes and you know, you're taking care of everything um, in the classroom. They just want to focus on baseball. So if they, if you're someone who clearly has um, worked hard, gotten good grades, has the good test scores, everything, that's just one more thing that they don't have to worry about when you get there. Because as you well know, Trey, this game's hard enough as is. And sure. so when you get to college, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of new stuff. And to, to be able to fit in on the baseball field and play at a high level against players that are just as good, if not probably better than you, especially as a freshman, plus – all the academic stuff. And then I'm sure you're worried about how you're fitting in socially. It's a lot. So if we can make sure we don't have to worry about, you know, one thing, cause you're going to take care of that. That's just one, one last thing that coaches have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's the thing. Those players win too. They're part of great teams and, you know, that's what people are looking for, but you know, that's, it's great. It's just great to hear those things. I think people, you know, the more we can send out that good message of best fit, get your grades, right send some game video, you know, you don't need to pay for a recruiting service. You know, those are the things, but you do need, like you said, I think you still need someone in your corner, you know, to be able to help for you because yeah, like you said, every kid thinks that they can play at the big, you know, Xavier, you know, and no, not every kid can play there. Like, yeah. sorry, but like, you know, but um, so they need a coach to be able to, you know, to be able to say those things when so many, you know, you're getting less and less of those coaches. One, either a kid, a coach might not think it's his job to do that. Right. Um, or just different dynamics, whatever the case is, or some coach just doesn't have the connections. Some coach just doesn't do those. Just, but, but um, I think even even for the coaches who don't have the connections, I think this the the phone allows you. There's no reason you can't make those connections because of Twitter right now. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no reason, and I'm not saying you need to become best friends with SEC coaches because let's face it, those the kids that they're recruiting, they don't really need your help too much. No, they, they don't. It's, it's the kids who are, you know, mid-major, D1, down mm-hmm. the list. And I hate phrasing it like that because it doesn't mean that they can't play at those levels, the higher levels, but either they're a late bloomer because that's the other thing too. There's so many kids committing early and colleges filling up um, all their commitments early that if you are a late bloomer or you get injured early on and you, you miss a valuable year too, I mean, that, that's another way that it it can be tough to get to some of these bigger schools. And I've talked to even some local schools around here in Cincinnati uh, division one. And I've mentioned a couple of different players to some 
to a particular school. They're like, dude, we're just, we're filled for 2021. Like we've already filled everything. And it's, sure. it's different because, you know, 10 years ago when I was in, you know, going to be a senior in high school, I didn't get one offer till the fall of my senior year. Mm-hmm. So I look back, I'm like, man, I was a late bloomer. I don't know if I would have been able to get that same opportunity now because of how early the recruiting process and everyone fills up um, their, their commitments. So I guess another, another way of saying it's really important to be good at an early age and you don't have time to, to not be working. You can't, you can't always control when you do like, grow and develop, but you can control everything that you possibly um, is in, that is in your power to develop as early as possible. Sure. Yeah. You, you can be working on your swing. You know, you could be taking care of your body. You can be sleeping right. You know, you can be doing those kind of things. Uh, get your mind right. Um, you know, so speaking of those things, and I, and I just love that. I just, I just love that recruiting conversation. That's a real conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I really appreciate it. I'm glad we, I'm glad we went down that route, man. That was awesome. Um, oh, so speaking of that too, I mean, so will you, I guess part of your, you know, when you're doing that, are, what kind of metrics, are you doing any kind of metrics that you're showing them or are you just, are you just trying to get them game footage? Um, yeah, I will try and get them game footage, but I, I do, I will try and get them metrics too. I think that is where the PBR stuff does help. If they're able to show Hey, in batting practice, they hit a ball 98 miles an hour. Now, does that, it doesn't necessarily translate to anything, but what it does show is, hey, like this kid does have some power. It's, there's something in there for sure. Yeah, there's something in there. Exactly. And then I have a, a, a Rap Soto and K-Vest and Blast. And I'll be honest, I don't necessarily, I, I will send them that information if they want it, but most college coaches don't utilize they're just really have the time necessarily to utilize some KVS graphs and things like that so I don't really know if that's applicable to a lot of these college coaches and I honestly understand why because they only have so much time and they're understaffed as is with all the players that they have so they kind of have to pick and choose what to focus on um, so yeah a lot of it's video and the other thing that I, we didn't really even touch on which I think is so important is What's their mentality like? How much mm. do they love the game? Are they a killer when they walk in the in the box? Yes, sir. I think you have to have a little bit of arrogance and be a little selfish when you do walk in that box. And that, and I say selfish. Selfish could be you get the bunt sign from the coach, but you're selfish and like I'm getting this down no matter what happens. That's selfish. That's that's you know that's a good kind of selfish. But I think having that killer mindset. It is the number one most overlooked thing in hitting, and I think it's probably the most important as well. Because at a certain point, at a certain level, you're, everyone has pretty solid mechanics. Tweak one or two things here or there, but having that mindset is what's going to get you through a slump. You're instead of going one for thirty or one for twenty-five, you're only going to go one for ten or one for twelve, and that makes a big deal over the course of a, a season. So I, I think the having that killer mentality is is crucial. And I grew up in Cincinnati, where Pete Rose is, I'm sure you all know, a legend. And you want to talk about about a guy who has that killer mindset? Oh, I mean, I, I'm I'm good friends with George Foster, who was on that Big Red Machine, and just some of the stories he would tell me about just how great of a teammate he was, and how much he cared about each of his teammates too, which. 
you know, I don't want to get too much off topic, but it's obviously he's made clearly made some mistakes and is a little different off the field, but on the field, I mean, everyone I've ever talked to be like that dude was so competitive. He loved the win so much and he just cared about his teammates so much. Um, so I think there are some good lessons to um, apply that you can take from even someone like Pete Rose and, and try to pass that down. Sure. And you can see that from even, I think a lot of guys, and that's, that's also part of, you know, my podcast and what I love, I love to talk about, you know, besides like recruiting and development is even the mentality, you know? And so speaking of that, you know, getting into those things, and I know it's probably not the easiest thing for you to do in the private sector, um, you know, with, you're just trying to gain things, but how do you teach that? Like, how do you get into help developing that that's a great That's question. And one of the things I've started doing because of being in the private sector is coming up with content and putting it um, in a place where all of the players that I do work with privately can go to and watch. And a few videos of the videos are about the mental game too. One of the books that I'm reading right now is called Trevor Mo is by Trevor Moed. It's called it takes what it takes. And I've, I've learned, I've been watching and following Trevor for several months now and, and the message that he has and some other guys too. I've had Alan Jager on my podcast. So I've been able to, you know, get a lot of different things. Actually, I have Steve Springer coming on soon as well. Nice. And I love the I I love the mental game. I started to really become passionate, um, to be honest, about the mental game probably this year when I started working in professional baseball and started working with players and realized how little time you really do have with each player in the cage. You can't have a 45-minute or hour session. There's too many guys, and there's not enough space either. So, you know, one of the things that I, that I like to kind of talk about is, and this is what Trevor, is, I'm kind of just copying what he says, but is we want to be neutral. We want to be in that neutral state. And to be in that neutral state, it's easier to get to that neutral state if you're struggling by telling yourself to be less negative, not more positive. And it, and it makes complete sense too, because, and you've played Trey and um, when you, when you're struggling and, and you have someone tell you to keep, you know, keep your head up or just be more positive. That really doesn't help at all because mm-hmm. you're, you're, at, you're down here, right? You're at zero. And if positive's 10, how are you going to skip over everything in between and just immediately go to positive? You know, so you want to get to that four or five, six range, that neutral state. And it's easier to get there by telling yourself less negative. So I think even when players are starting to struggle during a game, if I am coaching them or, or I hear them say something negative about themselves out, out loud, I'll tell them to be, Hey, less negative, less negative. Um, and again, I think that's easier. And once you explain to them, some of the science behind it, which is, I uh, want to make sure I remember this correctly, but Trevor even said in his book, anything you say out loud is 10 times more impactful than anything you think. And anything negative you say out loud is four to five times more impactful than anything you think. So if you say something negative out loud, it literally could be four to 500 times more impactful than anything that is inside your going on inside your mind and you bringing it to light, it's more likely to happen as well too. Mm. So I think Trevor even says this um, in his book um, um, numerous times, just don't say stupid stuff out loud. Don't Mm. say stupid stuff about yourself out loud. And it's so simple, 
But I think it's a such a great message because it is simple. And when we're working with players, we sometimes forget as coaches, and I know I do too, because I love getting into mechanics and all this other stuff. They most players don't operate that way. So I, I like finding messages that are very simple and very applicable that are able to help them. And so I've I've that's just the one that, that pops off off the top of my head about the mental game is less negative, not more positive. Yeah, that's 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 good. Do you um so is there anything within like a cage session that you have done before that might have got on maybe in routines or did you you know, help with that mentality at all? Like, is there anything competitively that you would try to like give as a guy, like say, when you go do this on your own and to try to maybe build some competitiveness? Yeah, sometimes. Um, I think this is where it gets a little tricky in hitting because hitting is an art. I believe that. And so since it is an art, I think you got to be careful for some guys of telling them to go be, you know, really aggressive and really like, you know, swing hard and, and everything yeah. like that, because that can get some things out of whack really quickly because some guys need to just feel a few things. They don't really need to, I know this may sound crazy, but they don't need to compete like crazy um, before the game. They just need to feel their swing out and, and make sure everything's feeling good and feeling, you know, feeling nice and confident. And then they're good to go. And then you do have some guys where, it's like, hey, I, you know, depending on the setup that you have at, at your house or garage, wherever it's at, let's put some, you know, um, some lines across, some string across, and I want you focusing on hitting as many missiles as you can right at that line, because maybe they think too much and you don't want them thinking about their mechanics, but you know when they have um, some really good intent and they're trying to do damage that everything is in, you know, really efficient. So by telling them to, hey, hit that bolt, hit that line as hard as you can, you know that everything will be synced up nice, nice and well. So it, it that's this is getting into the part of hitting where it's like it depends. Some guys, you know, they use notebooks. Some guy, you know, because they, they want to write it down. I've given, I've tried to get every other guys notebooks. Like I'm good. I just want to, I just want to type it on my phone. Cool. So they they type it on their phone where other guys write it down where some guys just want to get away um, and they don't really want to think about it too, too much. So I think that's it's getting a little bit where you, we need to meet the player where he's at. And, um, but yeah, those, I mean, so there, there are some other ways to go about it. This is where Alan Jager, I remember him coming on with doing some different meditation stuff. And, and I like that stuff. I, I really do. Um, I just think it it depends because we only have so much time, especially before a game, and have to be careful on how much of that, how much of, of their time are we taking, and how much time are we giving them to get themselves ready, because we need to be conscious of the fact that they may have their own routine that has always worked for them as well. So maybe give them those options, and it does depend on the level that they're at as well, because younger players. They don't know. Aren't going to necessarily know what's their routine is like or what works, what doesn't work for them as well as an older player. Um, which again, it just, that's why you, you can't cookie cut anything hitting. It just depends on the age, the personality, um, the talent level of the player. There's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, just while I was just thinking, you know, just thinking of other things that, 
you know, that you helped create that killer mentality, that killer mindset, you know, cause like, have you, is in your experience, have you only experienced kids who just have it or is it something that you've seen through that they've been getting in their environments? I think, I think it, it's more likely to be developed in a team environment probably than a, a private uh, setting, just because in a team environment, you can set up those competitions and it's kind of, they, they, they start to understand like, Hey, I better get on board here or I'm going to be at the bottom of that leaderboard. And so I think that's, that's kind of where you see, you know, some of those leaderboards where even if it's exit view and everyone's bad mouth and the exit view leaderboards and things like that. Well, I think there's, you can go about it in a, in a good, in a good manner that's going to help the players. And I think the competitive nature of those leaderboards is what I do like about them. And you can also make it so they can only hit the ball in a certain part of the field, you know, up the middle or whatnot. So they still maintain good swing characteristics, but they're also competing as well. And so I would say probably a team setting is where that's really going to come about, you know, come to light. I would say mm-hmm. I was watching, you know, I watched that Lance Armstrong documentary. I watched the Michael Jordan documentary and those are two two guys at the top of their field who they were born they were born relentless they were born ruthless competitors so i don't know if if you can necessarily teach it to that degree i think if i ever can get to that degree i will have made a lot of money because i would have developed a ton of you know really good players who were able to reach their pinnacle but at the same time, I do think you can start initiating that conversation in the private setting as well. And so I think just kind of talking about going back and forth, talking about competing, talking about, you know, what are you what are you afraid of? What are your goals? And then holding them accountable as well. Like, hey, like I thought you said you wanted to play college baseball. I thought you want to play D1 baseball. I thought, you know, whatever it may be, but your actions aren't backing that up. And so for some players, it, it can be a light switch. And I, it can, you just, you know, they weren't a competitor. They were kind of eh, nonchalant, lazy. And then one day they just turned the light switch just turned on and that, that was it. And they never looked back. Um, I felt that way a little bit about myself, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school, lifting weights wasn't a really big thing. So I was like, ah, I didn't really need, I don't really need to do too much of that at all. I don't want to get hurt or anything. And And then in college, even my freshman year is kind of the same thing. And then I just started to realize like, man, you know, I'm already halfway through my college career and I haven't done anything. Uh, There there are a lot, uh, there are a lot of other guys who are getting to play ahead of me who shouldn't be playing ahead of me. And I just flipped the switch one day and never looked back. Mm -hmm. And I saw my game start to get better because I started to work harder and that motivated me even more and became even more competitive. So I think there is a way to, uh, to increase that. I just think a, it can take some time and B, I think it probably is going to happen more in that team environment. But I think the initiative of starting that conversation can happen in the private one. Sure. Sure. I think it's all about creating your environment too. You know, there's certain team settings that, mindsets won't be good because you know it's just a culture it's just a environment that's created there but yeah i think yeah the more you post i think kids the more we post is something yeah we do like so now i've like 
this summer did like a weighted quality at bat, you know, where not every at bat's created the same. And so yeah, quality at bats are important, you know, but at the same time, a home run is different than a walk, you know, and a home, you know, and it's different than a hard, hard line out. Those are important. They're great. They're good. They're good. They're good for the team. Um, you know, but like now posting all those different points and guys are like, all right, where are the sound? Like, he's like, all right, game on, you know, like, and they're already seeing the top, you know, they got guys there and, you know, but at the same time, you know, we're also seeing guys not wanting to fight, you know, like they're at the bottom, they're just going to stand there just, uh, you know, so like, it's, it's a matter of still having better conversations and, and, um, but yeah, that those leaderboards can definitely be important for sure. And I could see what I could totally agree there. Um, you know, and you, is this, so you, you talked about this mindset being like the number one thing. Um, do you see that? Like, so like with your little bit of time that you got to spend in Pro Bowl, I know it's only been, hasn't been too long since you got shut down, but like, do are you, do you see those same things throughout the great players that either you played with, you've coached and now seeing a Pro Bowl? Is that, is that the same kind of thing? Is that the, what the great ones have? Yep. It really, it truly is. And it's, and maybe it's not even necessarily, it's, it's part of having that killer mindset, but it's also part of having an approach, having a plan, sticking to that plan, not freaking out when you get screwed by the umpire on multiple pitches. And now you're down Oh two. And most players in a scenario like that are going to just throw in the towel or they'll battle one or two pitches and then just, you know, swing at some crap and ground out versus the really good ones they don't give away at bats. They don't give away at bats because at bats are too valuable. Even when you have four or five hundred of the course of a season, um, I mean, if you just get, if you can not give away an extra ten or fifteen at bats, and maybe you get another seven or eight hits of that, like what if what if that's another three or four home runs? I mean, that that changes the kind of how you look at that player in a sense of just even as a prospect. So I think just even look like watching guys work in the cage, the really good ones, they're have they're clearly working on something. They're not just swinging just a swing. And I think part of it too is, and I have to remind myself on this too, is I think that happens with time, because I think sometimes we players need to fail consistently to realize what they're doing isn't working. Swinging 250 times off the tee. Um, just nonchalantly with my buddies is great. But when I wake up the next day and my wrist is sore and I have a double header and now I am thinking about my wrist and I can't compete. So now my swing is off and I don't play as good all because I practiced um, without any intent at all yesterday. So I think it does happen with some failure, but however, the really good ones, it does seem the earlier that they they can start to figure out their swing and have a plan because it is quality over quantity. And I'm sure Trey, you've heard that before too. And it, but it's just, it's true. And, um, and I think that just comes with time comes with some maturity, but it comes with discipline too, because everyone wants to drop bomb, have hit cage bombs. But the only time I really care about any type of bomb is during the game. And I think really good hitters understand that, working on their swing and what they need to work on in the cage will allow them to hit those bombs in the game versus hitting cage bombs in the cage and nothing really transferring at all. Sure. You know, something you said there was, uh, is something I, I've been thinking about is about, you said failing consistently. Um, 
And so how do, how have you incorporated more failure into your lessons or into, you know, when you're developing a guy? Yeah. I mean, I would say like right now, because it's, it is in season for a lot of these kids and for some of these kids are trying to get recruited. Now is, I don't, I wouldn't say now is the time to me really challenge them a lot um, in the sense of, I don't want them leaving the cage feeling beat down before a game, especially if they have a game that day. Um, you know, I want them feeling good. I'd say a lot of that can happen in the off season and it, it sometimes can happen during the season too. But I also think that professional baseball and one of my buddies told me this the other day, which I thought was really smart. He, you know, before you get to professional baseball, it's about results. And once you get to professional baseball, it's about your uh, having a process and your process. And so I think, unfortunately, right now, we we can tell kids all we want to that it is about you know your process and just stick to your process. But at the same time, it's really not because it is about results right now, and they're not stupid. They know that they have to perform right now to get recruited, so they can even get to that point of playing at the next level. So. If I'm working with a pro guy, it's going to be a little bit different in the sense of, yeah, I am going to challenge him a little bit more. Yeah, we are going to break his swing down a little bit more just because of the time factor. He doesn't necessarily have more time in the sense of getting to the major leagues because the clock is ticking, but he's going to have a lot more reps, a lot more games, a lot more chances um, to fine tune everything than someone who's you know only playing 25, 30 games. And before you know it, they're a senior and not recruited at all. So I would say that that failure part a lot of times seems to happen on their own. I think because it, in a sense, it doesn't necessarily matter what, what I say, they have to believe it. If I, if, even if I know for a fact, I'm right, if they don't believe, or if they didn't, if it doesn't just click for them, and maybe they do, maybe they do think, well, he's probably right, but I don't feel that way at all then it's going to be, it's going to be tough. I think a lot of times it just, it, it happens, um, you know, for some players, they are always have that fixed mindset and just kind of always ignore it. And then other players who are open-minded and have that growth mindset are always trying to get better. They start to look for ways that they can get better. And I, I, every time I hear a big leaguer talk, it seems as if they always say, you know, the older I got, the less I swung. It's because they got they knew their swing more and more because they'd played more games. They 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 knew like what drills to do to get their swing right. That just takes time and it takes failure because um, they've played so many different games. So I think we yeah we do want to shorten the amount of time that it takes, but sometimes there you you just you can't shortcut it. It takes what it takes. Takes what it takes. What was that book that you said that was it called again? It's called it's called It Takes What It Takes by Trevor Mohead. How do you spell Mohead? Uh M O A H W A D. It takes what it takes. Yeah, I'm reading um Goggins book right now. You can't hurt me. Oh, okay. So solid book. Solid. Makes you want to run through a brick wall. <laughs> But um, when, you, when you read books, do you actually like get the actual book or do you do you have the audio? No, I get the actual book. Okay. Yeah, me too. I'm the same way. I don't like, I just, I like something about having it in my hand and mm. being able to go back to pages. And I, 
I get that you can, I'm sure read, you know, go faster through books and things like that. But for me, I need to usually reread a page or two or oh, for sure. I need to write something down or highlight it, you know, just to try and get what I get, you know, try to get something from it. And, but yeah, I, I enjoy that too. And I, I I've listened to audio books, but if I'm going to listen to something, I'll listen to a podcast, you know, but um, yeah, when it comes to a book, I'm going to pick up a book, you know, yeah. and even just, <laughs> pick, you know, I mean, having an iPad or having my own ebook, I get it. That's not the same for me, you know? So I don't mind. I don't mind the book and turn the page. And I still have like, I, I like a note card and like a lineup card. I like to write, you know, so like I, I'm a, you know, when I want to get things done, it's pen to paper. You know, yeah, if, if yeah. I want to remember it, it's pen to paper. It's a note, it's a book, you know, that's when, it, when it's, I like when you, like you said with the book about saying it out loud, like I've, I've done that myself. Like I'm going to do this today. <laughs> like yeah, I have to say yeah. it a lot of myself because it, it makes sense. So like I, it, that's really stuck with me. So I'd be, I'm surely going to check that out. I appreciate that. I've, uh, I've definitely seen that as a common trait between really good coaches. So, um, that, I really appreciate you giving me that. For sure. Um, so that's awesome. Um, you know, is, is there anything else like you think, like what's something like, um, since you, you've been doing the private sector a lot and then thinking about, you know, pro baseball, is there something that really like you've seen that just didn't change for you since, since your time as being a coach? Um, uh, players and parents, not to their fault, just not understanding that how long it takes to get good, how long, how many hours it takes, how long, how many years it takes, just the process versus just a quick fix. Cause there's really no such thing as a quick fix. Even, I mean, to make really long lasting changes, it just, it takes time. And so I'd say that's probably the, you know, one of the things that I would see or that I still continue to see is, you know, a kid, you know, don't see a kid for 12 months and then brings him in. Like, oh, I would just want a quick tune up for this next tournament. He struggled last tournament. So let's give him a quick tune up for the next one. And just not how it works. I mean, I can give him some confidence and, you know, maybe that in a sense, maybe that is a, a quick tune up, but it just, it, it really does take a lot of time. So that's probably the, the, the one thing that I do try to educate the parents that I do work with um, the best that I, that I can. And I, I like to think that a lot of the, the dads actually are actually become really good hitting coaches because they're, you know, they're always studying um, their own kids swings and you know, we will go over some different blast data and things like that. And so they become a lot better over, over time. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where not everyone's going to get it. And it, although frustrating, I think I've started to understand that as well, that not everyone is going to get it. And, you know, I mean, I, I want them to, so I'm going to work like crazy because I, 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 I want everyone to be successful, but I would say, so to go back to your question, the main thing is just, not knowing that it's it just it takes a good amount of time to get good at this game and you have to practice way more than you do when you than just seeing me once or once or twice a week i mean it takes every day and it's that uh deliberate practice not just you know hitting a couple balls off the tee every once in a while type of a thing so it's tough but i i really do my best to try to educate them um, that's why I've made a bunch of videos 
that they can go to um, as a resource as well. And um, just, you know, as a way to, to make sure that they're doing the, the correct things at their, at their own disposal too. Sure. And I, I love, I love the d- deliberate practice. Um, are there any, sp- like, how would you, how are you helping kids with that? Cause I, I I'm trying to like, that's what I think. You know, I'm doing with 18, 19 year old kids. And you know, that's, that's where they, you know, everybody thinks, oh, I hit, a, everybody hits a lot and I'm, I work hard in the cage. Well, you know, like I've had it multiple times of like, well, you might not be practicing the right things. I and mean, you said earlier about quality, quantity over quality or quality over quantity, which is absolutely the right. And so like, and also your practice should change the higher levels that you go, you know? And like you said, with the older guys that's been playing professionally, like they're going to swing less, like, but it's the quality and then know their deliberate practice. So what kind of, like, can you give us any examples, specific examples of maybe deliberate practice for like maybe a move you're certain trying to make or trying to develop a move? Yeah. And I think it can even be as simple as something where you know, I have a kid who, when he swings, his bat path comes in and out of the zone really early because he's always trying to just yank balls and crush balls, even in the cage setting. And so for him, deliberate practice could be as simple as, okay, we're going to hit these 30 balls. And I, every ball that you hit, I, there needs to be intent that you're going to stay inside this baseball and drive it right up the middle to right field or whatever it may be. And so you flick them, you know, five to 10 balls. And, you know, each one he is focusing on that task of staying inside it and going right up the middle to the opposite field. That's, that's deliberate practice right there. And mm-hmm. you, I mean, I'll see that too. Even when I was able to go on the big league side, guys were deliberate about certain stuff. And even, you know, that's just a similar example of, of staying inside the baseball. And for some guys, that's what really does help. And so I think that's just one example, but since there's a lot of different things going on in the swing, it could be, uh, you know, something as simple as doing some PVC work and, you know, you only do five minutes, but for those five minutes, you're locked in. You're, you, you're, you're so focused on, on everything that you are trying to accomplish with your swing in those five minutes. That's deliberate practice. It doesn't need to be hours long. I'd rather you do 10 minutes five times a day than four or five hours at once. So I think it's just being focused on, on the task of what you, what you need to focus on. And that's where this is where having a, a coach does come into play because most kids just aren't going to figure it out on their own um, if they're struggling. I mean, some do, but I think a lot of times those are the really, really just freak athlete type players. Um, so if, if you have a coach who, or you hear something constantly about your swing or whatever it may be, then that may be a time to reflect and, you know, start thinking about ways to get better at that. And then once you are starting to implement different drills or whatever it is that can help your swing, you're focused, um, during the, during that amount of time that you're working on it, because I just, I can't emphasize enough. It's not about how much, how much time. I mean, it's, it's kind of like you know, some people brag about how early they get up in the morning and how many hours they work. Yeah, but what did you do during when you got up in the morning? You know what I mean? Like what I mean, what's were you working with the same amount of intent as, and focus as if someone who, who gets eight or nine hours of sleep? So I don't know. I mean, I think it's just that's just my own interpretation of it. 
Um, but I think it's, it's a big deal. And it's something that I see with the best of the best that I've been able to be around. So good. So true. So true. And I think it's, and it's our job as a coach to, you know, to give them those ideas of the deliberate practice. Here's what you're going to do while you're here. Um, but yeah, just always even have a focused plan, even when you're going from throwing to pitching to everything that we're doing, it should be all deliberate. Um, which is really just a focused practice is what you're basically saying. Um, accomplishing a specific task, having a purpose, those are all deli- you know, characteristics of a deliberate practice for sure. You know, you don't just see guys just sitting there swinging. How much tea, like, uh, just cause I was thinking, cause you hear, I hear a lot of guys, I'm, I'm hitting off the tee all the time. Like, like, um, are you still, are you still using the tee a good bit? I mean, what, how, um, you know, is that something that you still like? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I do like the tea. I think some players like the tea as well. I think this this goes back in this sense into the deliberate practice of what does that player need to be working on? If it's a player who struggles with a pitch that's up or they have a natural uppercut swing, maybe we do over-exaggerate that tee and they work on hitting the top part of that ball right down into the ground. And so a tee can just help emphasize that feel of being on top um, so I, I do think that the T is helpful for some players. I think for some, the older they get, the more they go away, they get away from the T. But again, there's been some really good hitters who their entire career have, have um, said that the T is just a, a big staple of their um, program, their hitting program. So yeah, I, I like the T um, just as a, as a progression more than anything, but I do think it helps um, some players. Oh, sure it does. No, I agree. I agree. It just depends on the player. It's always depends. It's, a, it's funny. It's never really a great answer, but it's always like it it's always it's the right one, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. it is. It is. But that's also just a mark of, I think, a, a coach who thinks and a coach who is progressive and a coach who learns and a coach who's growing, you know, and, you, and you're definitely that guy. So, um, you know, I mean, I this is this is great, man. I mean, this was great. I mean, I, I you know. I really want to thank you for coming on. It's been about an hour now, man. We've been, we've been rocking. I know, it. dude. It flies by when you're having fun, man. It is. It is. You know, I just, I loved how we got into recruiting. I loved it. I loved it. Um, you know, got to talk some, talk some good hitting and, um, and really about the deliberate practice. And that, that honestly keeps on coming up with a couple, with a couple of coaches. I'm sure you probably heard, have seen, you've been doing the podcast stuff for a while now and you kind of have these common, common things that come up and, but, um, Absolutely. No, I appreciate you having me on, man. This is again a lot of fun. Um, I, I had no idea we'd be going down some of the the recruiting, um, mental game killer instinct type of talks, but I'm glad we did. And I think yeah. that's um, the beauty of this too. Is just it just whatever whatever's natural and it kind of just comes about, um, you know, during a, a conversation is what makes it fun. It's kind of like you know you have all these practice ideas too, or you know, you have your lineup and then once the game starts, you kind of got to throw all that to the side and be like, Hey, like this isn't working when you make a change here or, Mm -hmm. you know, so I, I enjoyed it, man. It's goodness. It's a lot of fun. Another great conversation we're able to have. I hope you found some very valuable content from coach Patrick Jones. Again, if you'd like to reach out to him, you can follow him on Twitter, DM him on Twitter, P Jones Baseball at P Jones Baseball on Twitter. Uh, also check out his website, PatrickJonesBaseball.com. He's got some great things he offers um, for some great content, and uh, really believe his 
place, his heart is in the right place. Uh, he was a great guy for the a great guy for the show. I'm really um, thankful to Coach Jones, Coach Patrick Jones, that he was able to come on and talk some hitting with us, talk some recruiting, talk about how developing the mindsets are so important, super important. Like he says, the number one thing about a hitter is their mindset, which I couldn't agree more. You get in that box and you're not confident. You get in that box and you're not thinking you're going to get hit. You're done. Hitting's too hard. And so we always got to keep our mind right and keep it sharp. So, uh, again, I uh, just want to thank Coach Patrick Jones. Follow him on Twitter. Check out his website. Uh, also, if you have any feedback for me, anything else you'd like to see, um, you can email me at treytcob at gmo.com. Follow me on Twitter at Coach3Cobb. And I'll be sure to use that feedback to make the show even better, as well as any guest um, or anything that we can do to continue to get better. So with that being said, we'll see you next week. Keep getting better.